All right, so uh, we're going to end the series on personhood by talking about this idea of free will. Um, partially because you asked about it a couple weeks ago, right? And, and uh, you know, I totally blew it off because, you know, I'm like, we need, we need more than a two-minute answer. And that's the way it works, right? You ask a good question, you get a good, well, you get a 40-minute answer. We'll see if it's a good answer or not. Um, but, like, it, it's a good thing to talk about because when I'm thinking about personhood, I never, ever would have thought about, okay, free will is essential to personhood. Um, but I think it is. Like, I, I think, you know, going in that, <laughs> that category is, uh, is helpful, right? Be- all right, we're going to put all the balloons away. So free will and personhood, like it makes sense to go together. It's uh, it's hard to think of being a person without just assuming that we have um, like this absolute self-determining control over our lives, right? The path that we take is totally dependent on our choices, on our desires, Um, you know, whatever it is that we want to do and wherever it is we want to go. And, you know, this idea that no outside forces can force us or coerce us to do anything outside of our free will. So, like, to deny free will is almost to deny personhood. In fact, if we say, you know, I don't have free will, we, we automatically jump to the assumptions, oh, so you're just saying we're, what, like, robots or puppets, right? Not People to be a person means to have free will. This is central to the way that we think about ourselves, right? We believe we need this complete freedom, complete autonomy, the ability to make spontaneous choices without influence, without coercion. It's essential. It's undeniable. Uh, that's just kind of the world we live in. That's the way that everybody kind of by default thinks about themselves. And I don't want to say at the front end if that's right or wrong, biblical or unbiblical. That's just the, the American, the Western opinion of how the person works. If I had to make a judgment now, you know, I wouldn't say right or wrong. I would say shallow. We just have this really shallow way of thinking that's unthoughtful, unstudied, un, you know, given biblical meditation on the human will and the freedom, or the, the lack, the bondage of it. Um, so I want to take, you know, tonight to talk about the fact that we are willed, which is a terrible title, but I didn't have anything better. Um, so, so we're going to go a little bit more philosophical tonight, which we have a young group tonight, which you guys always love philosophy. Um, not necessarily easy, <laughs> um, but uh, we'll, we'll go step by step and, and you'll keep up, I'm sure. Ask questions. Like, that's the great thing about a small group. It's like, hey, I have no idea what you're talking about. Start over. And we will. Uh, so let's start here, right? What's a will? Anybody? What's the will? The way. <laughs> Where there is a will, Man. there's a way. I'm going to come alongside you. I'm going right. <laughs> to No, no, I'm just like, no, I'm just like, so traditionally uh, anybody want to throw out hey here's what the will even is like we all we all believe in free will what is it our ability to make choices without any influence okay 
Yeah, the will is the, uh, the, the, the choosing mechanism of the person, right? Uh, so traditionally people, Christians, but more than just Christians, have thought of the, as a person as two parts, right? You have the physical part and the immaterial part, right? We've talked, what? No, All right. We've talked about, you know, the physical a lot. Um, there's the body, there's the soul or the spirit or the mind, whatever you want to call it. I mean, the Bible would talk about the inner man, the outer man, Ecclesiastes 12, Matthew 10. Um, and so, so this isn't new information. But then once you get inside the inner man, you have three parts. I was wondering if that whiteboard is right here. Do you want to? Yeah. Right. That, that's going to that's gonna be super helpful. So, yeah, now I just have to kill time. And you wish you had your balloons back. What if I just made eye contact with each of you while eating goldfish? Like, is that weird? Gold, please. I like goldfish. Did we find one? Thank you, Tim. Uh, yeah, well, like, I didn't process it. <laughs> 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 Alright, so we have The outer man, which is the body, the physical part. The inner man, which uh, would be mind, or the soul, or the spirit, or the uh, psyche. Dot, dot, dot. Right? So normally we think about ourselves in two parts. But then inside the inner man, oh, we could put heart up here. That's probably the best word. It's not a we're generally going to be divided into three interconnected parts. Anybody, anybody got this? I'm, just, I'm guessing no, but maybe. What goes on inside the inner self? Anybody want to take a guess? So we have the outer self, the physical body. Then we have our inner selves, our mind, soul, spirit, psyche, heart, whatever you want to call it. That's all referring to the same stuff. We have the three parts. The All right, so we have the will, the volition, or the will. This is the way. The will of the way. Anybody know what else? Um. All right, we got the affections, the things we like, desire, and then we have the intellect. <laughs> okay, I and here we go. Or the, the mind, the thought. No clue what volition is. Will. The volition is the will. All right. So, so with the three parts, right, we have, you know, the affections, what you love, what you desire. You have the volition, what you choose, the will. And then the intelligence, your thoughts, what you think, what you know. Um, and these things all kind of work together. And so if we have to say that we have free will, that it's completely separated from everything else, it doesn't really work because that's not how choices actually work. Um, if, we, if we don't have any effect on the will, 
it, it, it's 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 purposeless. Like, phys we in physics yet? You guys in physics yet? Newton's first law of motion. Anyone? All right. Newton's first law of motion. An object at rest stays at rest unless acted upon by an outside force, or an object at motion stays in motion unless acted upon by an outside force like the ground. Um, so if you have a volition, a will that's not moving, it's never going to choose, you know, to go left or to go right, because you have to have something to help it choose. Um, right? So complete freedom of the will is not possible. We're not talking about absolute freedom because something needs to provoke a decision to be made, right? Um, Alice in Wonderland, can we do Disney stuff? If we, can't, if we can't do Newton, can we do Disney? All right, Alice is walking down the path. She, sees a, uh, she comes to a fork in the road and she looks in the sky and she sees a chassire cat, right? And she asks the cat, what road do I take? And he says, where do you want to go? I don't know, Alice answers. The cat says, then it doesn't matter. Right? If you have no destination, it doesn't matter which road you take because you're not trying to get anywhere. If you're saying, I'm trying to get to the Queen's Palace or to the tea party, then it matters which road we actually take. Um, so if there was a desire, then she could go somewhere. So, so the will... And our desires are hooked together, right? It, what we want determines what we choose, right? So let's say, let's say you're not at all hungry. You're not the least bit hungry. No hunger at all. Do you want to go to McDonald's or Burger King? No one cares because you're not hungry. There's no choice being made. Let's say you're a little bit hungry or a lot bit hungry. Do you want to go to McDonald's or Burger King? None because they both stink. None? Or where are we going, Callan? McDonald's or Burger King? No, it is not. Where are we going, Owen? All right, we're going to Black Rock. Great, we're making our own choices. Because we're hungry, we don't want fast food. We want very slow. Like, they serve raw steak there, but every time I've been, it took like an hour to get my food. I'm like, I'm sorry, you have to go to the fridge, grab a piece of meat, put it on the plate, walk. Like, you're not cooking it. Besides the point. Right? They give you a 700 degree rock. You have to, uh, you have to have a desire to make a choice. That's what I'm getting at. There's a purpose. All right. So, purpose in the exercise of these questions, it's to help us better understand, help us illustrate, help us connect to real life. Okay, so we don't have to go super far down the rabbit trail. <laughs> Thanks. So here, here's all I'm saying. If we talk about free will and we say the will is unaffected by anything at all, that that nobody talks that way about free will. We all say it's it's connected to the things we think about and the things that we, we love, right? It, it's connected, I mean, these are connected too, obviously, but that's not important right now. You know, we, we're choosing to go to Black Rock instead of to McDonald's because we think maybe it's better for me and I just like it more. So when we talk about free will, we're, we're connecting all of the inner man together. Uh, so get that out of the way. Let me, let me talk about free will then in five steps, okay?
Can we count? Can we do five? You got five? Yes, we can. We can go that high. All right. Number one. I'm erasing this. I just want to prove five things to help us think through free will. People. How do you spell people? P e o p l e. Only ever do what they want. You only do what you want. There, there's no such thing as doing what you don't want, right? We're never forced to do something against our will. Um, so I get home from, from this tonight. Chris says, how did youth group go? I said, it was, I, the, t- the game was terrible. Like, let's, I'm exhausted still. Like, I want to shower and go to bed. But I did an awesome lesson on free will and how nobody ever does anything that they don't want. But then as I was walking out of the church, somebody came around the corner behind me, put a gun in my back and said, give me your wallet or die. And so I gave him my wallet against my will and Chrissy says no you didn't like what what do you mean like I don't have my wallet on me she's like you didn't give him your wallet against your will you willingly gave him your wallet he didn't take away free will all the mugger did was he limited your options that your free will could choose from right and I'm like hang on you're not the least bit concerned that I almost died tonight she's like no because you're wrong and she says, people only ever do what they want to do. In the moment of choosing, you said, okay, my options right now are to take whatever energy is left after the Mario Kart game and try and attack this guy. Not a good option. I could die. Not a good option. Mario Kart might do that to me anyways. Or I could give up. I don't know, $26 and a punch card to the Coney up on Cooley Lake that almost has a free sandwich on it and go home and see my family again. And so given those three options, you chose what you most wanted. You most wanted to live. And so out of your own free choice, you decided, all right, I'm going to live. It wasn't necessarily a free choice. It was. Because I I could choose any of the three. It's just my options were narrowed down. I didn't have infinite options. I had three options at that point. My, my affections were to live. I thought it was smartest to live. And so I chose to live. That's what I wanted, and I chose it. Um, that, that's point number one. And, and so in our choices, like there, there's things that affect them, right? There's responsibility. There's consequences. There's um, expectations on us. There, there's outside influences that kind of limit our options. There's, there's love for others. Um, but they narrow our options. They don't take away our free will. Like, I never want to get out of bed in the morning. Never. Um, but I love my kids and they're hungry. They also won't leave me alone if I stay in bed so it's not worth staying there. I have a job that I need to do and I, I want to serve the church. Um, you know, My body's telling me, you should get up and go pee because you're not going to be comfortable laying here. I don't want, you know, Chrissy mad at me for laying in bed all day while she does everything else at home. And so, like, all things considered, though by itself I don't want to get up, I get out of bed in the morning because that's what I want to do given everything that I think about. Says, oh, this is the best option. 
do what you want. Get out of the bed. Um, I know I won't have peace there. My options are limited, but I still have free will. So step one, we only ever choose what we most desire. We good here? Yeah. We're, we're, we're taking this? All right. Um, number two, desires. Here, I'm going gonna, gonna to call this desire just to make this. Yeah. Desires are related to nature. What's that mean? I walk into Cracker Barrel. They say, uh, yeah. They say, okay, let, let's make this easy. Hey, our food shipment didn't come in this week. You can have chicken fried chicken. No, yeah, chicken fried chicken or chicken livers. I thought that was a McDonald's thing. Okay, you can have a chicken fried steak. It's country fried steak, CFS. Used to work at, Mc, or at Cracker Barrel back in the day. So you can have a country fried steak or you can have chicken livers. 10 out of 10 times, because people only ever do what they desire, I'm choosing the, the country fried steak. Mm -hmm. Why? Be because country fried steak is delicious and livers are disgusting. I don't know if I've ever had them, but like I just can't get around the fact right, that I, I, I don't want to eat somebody's liver, even if it's chickens. Like, I'll eat the rest of the chicken, but not the liver. Um, right? Because that's just who I am. That's how my appetites work. Now, when we think about salvation, right? What are the, what are the appetites of us by nature? What are our appetites by nature? So move from Cracker Barrel to, you know, the salvation of your eternal soul. What's your appetite as a person? Passages like Ephesians 2, 3. We were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind might help. Passages like John 3, 19. This is the judgment that light has come into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes into the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. By nature, what, what's a human desire, the human appetite? Buying, having infinite money? No, based on the... Based on the is it to do right and to love God? Or is it to do sin and to love wickedness? And the stuff? Yeah, self-love. So, selfishness. Sin. Darkness. Wickedness. Evil, whatever you want to call this. Um, yeah, like nobody's born desiring God. Um, every time we have the option, do I want to love God here or do I want to love myself here, which is the essence of sin, we're going to choose to love God, right? So if, we, uh, if we're using our board again, this is going to fall over, absolutely. If we're using our board here, let's do a Bible. Yeah, that works. 
you know, our hearts are inclined always to roll down towards sin. We're always going to do what we want. We're always inclined to choose sin, not God. God's up here, sin's down here. Every time we have the choice, we're going towards sin because desire is related to nature, right? I'm never going to choose country or livers over steak because I don't like livers and I do like steak. Sinners are never going to choose God over sin because we don't like God and we like sin, right? Are we good with number two? Which means number three, no fallen person will ever choose God. Right? That, that's basically where we just concluded, right? If we're sinful, if we're inclined towards sin, if we're always choosing sin, we're never going to go against our will and choose God. That, that's not the way it works. It makes sense logically, like we already worked our way there. Scripture says the same thing. Anybody know Romans 3.11? No one understands. Everyone's like, yes, I agree. That's where I am right now. No, no one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Romans 8, for the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God. It does not submit to God's law. It cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot seek God. Because we love sin, we choose sin, we seek sin, we're inclined towards sin. Our will is always going to choose sin. And we're never going to choose what we don't like. God. So here, here's summary so far. We have free will, which allows us to choose whatever it is that we want. We never choose what we don't want. We never choose against our will. Even though we're sinful, our chooser isn't broken. Just our desires are. And our desires are going to tell us to choose selfishness and sin instead of God. We can never choose God or seek God. Here's the problem of salvation, though, right? The faith needed for salvation that's definitely needed requires that's a cue this board's not even helping you can't read my handwriting choosing So no fallen person can choose God. If you want to be saved, you need to choose God, right? I, I, this is biblical, Isaiah 55.1. Come, everyone who's thirsts, come to the water. He who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, who will abundantly pardon. So here you are. Hey, come. If you want God, come get him. He'll forgive you. He'll forgive you. Come get God. But like, we're never going to choose him, right? Or end of Revelation. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who desires take the water of life without price. But who's desiring God? No one. Who's, who's thirsty for God? No one. Because no one's able to, we're pleading for an impossibility. You know, we're pleading, say, hey, come by faith to God. And no one wants to choose God. No one can choose God. So, so you see the, the, the problem, the impossibility of salvation? 
here, no one can choose God, but if you're going to be saved, you need to choose God. Something needs to happen. Uh, we need to come to the waters. We need to eat bread. We need to drink. Um, so what's the solution to here? Like, this is where the problem of free will comes to a head, right? <clears throat> How does free will work when it's never going to draw, when it's impossible to have free will and come to God? Theoretically. Um, this is where we get a lot of bad options. Uh, you get determinism. Uh, Hyper-Calvinism might be a word there. Which basically says, hey, choice is an illusion. There is no such thing as free will. Right? If God has already determined the ends, that means he's determined the means as well. Or they don't even matter. Right? We're robots. Don't worry about free will. Right? Thank- I've never had to do this, thankfully. But you ever just like you're in a restaurant or something and you have to... You see a dad like carrying their kids, screaming and kicking and throwing fit like a surfboard just out of the restaurant. And you're like, ooh, yeah, they're being carried out against their will. <laughs> their options are severely limited of what they can choose. They can choose to throw a fit or cooperate, and they are choosing the fit. Um, you know, I shouldn't use that example because I'm going to have to do that soon, I'm sure. Um, all right. Some people are like, that's how salvation works. Like, Jesus comes down. You can hate him all you want. He grabs you up. He carries you like a surfboard into heaven. You can kick. You can scream. You can do whatever you want. But like whether you like it or not, you're going to be a Christian. You better get used to it, right? So we say, here's free will. You're choosing sin. And Jesus like, uh-uh, and just drags you into heaven. Um, you know, it's a complete denial of how the will works. It's not a good option to solve this problem. It elevates God's sovereignty. Love that. But it, it's not a good way to do this. Um, there's the, uh, the Arminian-ish. No Arminian would say it this way, but to make it easier. Um, there's this idea of provenient grace, which basically says, all right, God's not going to save anyone without faith, but maybe God will give us a little, you know, a little uh, push to make things a little bit more okay. Hey, look, we can choose whichever way we want now. Um, if you want to choose God, that's cool. Or if you want to choose sin, that's cool. Like, God makes it pop. Maybe it's a better picture of, like, God gives us energy. Like, hey, uh, you know, like the Hot Wheels things? Not like the ones that you go from the top down. But then you get to the bottom and you have, like, the little orange thing with the foam rollers. It takes, like, 17 double D batteries in it. And it's like, you know, you turn it on. You're like, yeah, you're, like, doing your car. And it's like, and then you turn it on. It's like, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. I'm so excited to see what that looks like on the recording in the morning. <laughs> are those any quieter now? Or are they still like super loud and take like 18D batteries? Okay, they're, they're better now. They're like lithium ion. Great. Anyways, God gives us a salvation, you know, Hot Wheels power-up station where he's like, if you want to choose me, I'll give you a little boost where you can then overcome your will, right? Um where we can choose the things we're not inclined, hey, we're, we're inclined towards sin, but God will help us get over our will. Which, I mean, takes away, you know, this. Okay, so we can do things we don't desire now? Like, what, what's going on? Like, it's not a good option. It's not in the Bible either, which is always a problem, right? It assumes we can do things that by nature we don't have that ability to. Um, so, so that's not a great option. Um, you have something called Pelagianism, which is basically a denial of our nature, too. It says, uh, okay, we're not bad. How about this? 
what if instead of being inclined towards sin, we're more like this? And you can say, all right, yeah, usually you choose sin, but how about we choose this way instead? Hear a great sermon, you know, come to a great youth group lesson, I don't know. And he's like, oh, I want to get safe? Great. Do this. Um, maybe it, that's a bad, it makes us more like a teeter-totter. That's a better way to say it. So yeah, right here by default, you're there. But if you want to, boop, choose God. It, 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 it kind of denies the sinfulness of our nature, right? You know, when Jeremiah asks, hey, can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard that spots? Yeah, why not, right? <laughs> Nature's not fixed. Um, but it, it, it's, it kind of, you know, we're stuck with a lot of bad options. We can either deny that we can do things. We can deny our nature. We can deny that we're really that fallen. Um, not a good option. What's biblical? We have Bibles? Let me, let me tell you how the Bible talks about this problem because... You know, doing this outside of Scripture really gets us in bad places of either denying free will, denying the will, denying our nature. John chapter 3. John 3. John 3. 1 through 21. John chapter 3. One through 21. Delicious. I haven't had goldfish in such a long time. Yeah, John chapter 3. So we're still sinful. We're still inclined towards sin. None of our unbiblical options worked. It's a flat tennis ball. It's really flat. It's okay. All right. There's... Oh, wait a second. It is. It might be one that I'd use to clean the scuffs off the gym floor. I don't know. Yeah, if, if like those tiles are scuffed, you can use a tennis ball to clean it off. All right. John chapter 3. You might be familiar with verse 16, but we'll find out when we get there. Now, there is a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is truly with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit." Nicodemus doesn't get this, right? Verse 9. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, yet you don't understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I had told you earthly things and you did not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? 
No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the in the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. All right, so a couple things to point out here. There's a lot going on. Um, Just the things that are pertinent right now. So the condemnation is this, right? Verse 19, Jesus, the light of the world, has come, and people hated him because they loved darkness. That, that's what condemnation looks like. Um, that's verse 19. But Jesus didn't come to bring condemnation, but salvation. That's 16 and 17. And how is somebody saved? Uh, look at verse 21. Look at verse 16. How is somebody saved according to Jesus? Let's do the easy one. Verse 16 says, how is somebody saved according to 3.16? Yeah, by believing in Jesus. And verse 21 says, by... By God? But he... Well, look at the words. But he who... What? But have eternal life. Verse 21. Yeah. But he who does what? So coming, coming to the light, coming into the light. So, you know, the faith needed for salvation requires choosing God, requires believing, trusting God, coming to Christ. Um, it's, it's that choice there. Um, but how does someone do that? Because we already said we can't choose against our will. That's, that's what verses 3 through 6 answered. Jesus says, what needs to happen for someone to see the kingdom of heaven? You must be, what does he say? Truly, truly, I say to you, unless... What? Verse 3. Verse 3. Jesus answered, right? Yeah. Unless you're born again, Right? Not, you don't go back into your mom's belly and be born. Like, that's weird. Like, um, he's like, wait a second, what? He just totally misses the point here. But he says, that born of the flesh is flesh, right? We come, we're born as humans, inner man, outer man. That, that's born again of the spirit is spirit. And when we're born again, it changes our nature. Now we're not fleshly people, we're spiritual people. Um, and so that means our nature, right? Desires are related to nature. Our nature, if we're born again, now shifts. Does God take away our free will? No. But he changes our nature and thus our desires so that we choose him now instead of choosing sin. Does being born again mean we don't have to choose God? We don't have any free will anymore? 
No, because what comes after verse 6? Verse 16, verse 21. Believe in me. Come to me. Right? It doesn't take away our responsibility. Uh, but God says, look, I'm going to make you born again. And now we have the freedom and the ability to choose God because God miraculously changes our nature so that by free will we can choose God. Um, and number five, if you don't totally get how this works, great. The wind blows where it does. Do you know where the wind comes from? Neither did Nicodemus. You know where it goes to? Neither did Nicodemus. And Jesus is like, hey, the wind blows. You don't know where it comes from, where it goes to. But like, that's how the Holy Spirit works. Like, we don't predict the Holy Spirit. We don't control him. We just know that he works and he acts. Um, he's not saying, like, this is completely unknowable. In the next paragraph, he's like, are you really a preacher and you don't know this? Like, come on, bud. Um, but, but it's the doctrine of regeneration is, is what you would call this if you want a big word of it. Yeah. Gen-er-ation. Um, that we're born again, that God makes us alive through the Holy Spirit to where we now see ourselves as miserable, as weak, as hungry, as thirsty, as needing God. We see God as gracious and merciful, not to be avoided so we can serve ourselves, but as a benevolent Father who will give us bread and wine and rest and grace. So we come to him. We come by faith. We come by our own volition to God as free moral agents because all things considered, we see ourselves as sinful and we hate it and we see God as beautiful and we love him. We know what the Bible says, so we think about it and we say, okay, given everything, if I have the choice to choose God or choose sin now, I'm going to do what I desire. And by being born again, my nature desires God. I'm going to come this way. I'm going to choose God. Um, so here's the steps, right? Oh, no. Did I miss number five? Mm-hmm. God changes our nature. Number five. I don't even know where my marker went. God. Well, this is purple. Our nature through regeneration. All right, so, so does God over, overwhelm our wills and takes away our free will? No. Um, he doesn't drag us kicking and screaming into the kingdom of God. He doesn't undo our sinfulness. He doesn't say that we can choose against what we want. Rather, by grace, we're born again so that we can choose God. So here's the steps, right? People only ever do what they desire. Desires are related to nature. No fallen person will ever choose God. Um, yet the faith needed for salvation requires choosing God. So number five, God, by grace, by miracle, changes our nature through regeneration because you must be born again. Which means at the end of the day, we're responsible to choose God, to come to him. We're judged if we go into darkness instead of the light. Um, but we're unable to come until God changes our nature and, and makes us inclined towards him. So, Oh, I went longer than I intended. But it's because we had to take away balloons, and that was most of the time. Um, so really what I wanted to do tonight is just help, you know, I said, I think we think shallowly about the will. I wanted to throw a little bit of depth at the way we think. 
Um, we have questions or thoughts. Like this is a like this is a huh? Okay, let's just take a you know water cooler full of theological Gatorade and unsuspectingly dump it on your heads and expect you to be like, hey, you drink all that? Was it ta- like blue Gatorade's great? What? What? Why are we thinking of questions? Then we'll we'll end this. Or objections, or I I I don't get it. All right. So, so when we talk about, um, you know, we we have a bunch of big words we could throw up here: sovereignty, responsibility, divine concurrence. You know, regen. Basically, all of this says, who's ultimately in charge of salvation? God. Yeah, it's God who saves. Do we play any role in that? Do we have to choose God, or are we passive? No, we're not passive. But we don't have the authority to change ourselves. We don't have the ability to change ourselves. We don't have the desire to change ourselves. Um, <clears throat> so where should this lead us? Um, because a lot of people, I don't know, people like philosophy. I don't. But like, this is fine. I like this. This is fun. I'm having a good time up here. Except I'm exhausted. <laughs> um, but a lot of people are like, huh, let's sit and let's, you know, I trim my beard, so I can't really stroke my beard, but like, let's think about philosophy and argue with each other and be like, look at me, I am smart now. And, um, you know, that, that's not what we're supposed to be doing with this. Uh, Romans 9 through 11 are like three chapters in the middle of Romans that talk about basically God's complete and total control over the history of salvation and Israel and all of creation, that he chooses and saves people and that he regenerates and his internal plan of softening and hardening hearts towards him, you know, it talks about all of this. And you know how Romans 11 ends that section? In Romans eleven thirty three, Paul says, Oh, the depths and the riches and the wisdom of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who's his counselor? Or who has been given a gift to him? that he might be repaid. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. And so Paul says, you know what? When I think about this, when I start talking about this, my heart only ends in one place. And that's amazement at God and worshiping him. Um, so when we, when we you know, think through difficult things, maybe your heart ends with a, okay, I'm, that was a waste of time, but cool, we went. Maybe it's like, okay, I, I get some things that I'm smart. Like, maybe we should keep talking about this. I want to, you got any books, Dan? Yes, I do. Um, maybe it's somewhere else. But where it should end is with worshiping God because he's the one who is wise. No one gives him counsel. No one gives him gifts. Um, but he is the one true God and in him and to him and through him and for him are all things. So we give him glory forever. Amen.